welcome back to the Jewish Growth Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin. And earlier this week, I learned that a member of our local community, Itai Dewar, passed away unexpectedly. I knew Itai for years, and we actually reconnected recently through this podcast, which he looked forward to every week. Today's episode is dedicated to the memory of Itai Dewar, Itai Nir Ben Yosef. The news of Itai's passing gave me a renewed sense of urgency about life. Life is so precious. Every day is a new opportunity. And as a recording, this episode, we're well into Hanukkah, looking to the new month of Tevet. And both Hanukkah and Tevet are times that highlight the Jewish people overcoming challenge and opposition. This is a period when we consider the eternal nature of our people, our ability to triumph in all circumstances. But if we have a latent ability to triumph as a nation, what does that look like for every one of us as an individual Jew? How do we find our power for redemption and growth amidst the challenges of life? Stay with me because we're going to take a deeper look today at an epic moment in Tanakh. On one level, this is a moment that teaches us something about Jewish history. It's also a moment that helps us to move forward to meet Hashem's goals for our personal life. I do hope that you'll keep in mind that I'd love to hear from you. Do you have any questions or suggestions for future topics? Email me at rabbibrodkin at gmail.com. The days of Kislev and Tevet are times when we contemplate the Jewish ability to survive and even thrive in times of darkness. One person who reflected on that was Rav Yaakov Emden, an 18th century Torah luminary. In 1745, Rav Yaakov Emden published a sitter, and in the introduction, he spoke about the miracle of Jewish history. And listen to what he wrote. All of those mighty nations have long been forgotten, he wrote, referring to our enemies. But we who cleave to God are alive today. When I ponder the miracle of our survival, it is, in my mind, greater than all the miracles and wonders that God performed for our ancestors, including the miracles of the Exodus. Think about that. In 1745, Rav Yaakov Emden said that the greatest miracle of our history is Jewish survival to his day. 1745. We don't need to mention what has transpired in our history since that time. And yet, even then, he was astounded by the fact of our survival. How much more so should we be astounded today? So here's an idea that's been deep within the Jewish people for thousands of years. There is a deeper force behind us. The Maccabees themselves embody this idea as they look back into the Jewish history that occurred before their lives. As the book of Maccabees notes, the Hashmonaim were inspired by the memory of David HaMelech, King David. While David embodies so much about our people, he too began as an individual. And as an individual, he was not considered a likely candidate to rise to prominence as a king or a warrior. All of Yishai's children David was not the son that Shmuel the prophet thought to anoint as king. In fact, the prophet describes David as being the katon, the youngest of Yishai's children who was with the flock. And being with the flock is not taken as a description of a mighty warrior. And David, anyway, had older brothers of greater stature. As the Plishtim attacked David in those days, the older children of Yishai left Beit Lechem to assist King Shaul with the battle. The young David, the shepherd boy, would stay back with the flock, occasionally rushing food to his brothers on the front lines. On one such trip, David witnessed the giant Goliath, or Goliath, who was taunting the Jewish people, daring Israel to send a man to fight. David, the young shepherd, asked the people 
What's going to be done for the person who fights against Goliath? Eliav, David's older brother, heard that David was inquiring about this matter, and he became angered with his younger brother. Why have you left the sheep to come here and watch the fighting, he said. But David reveals his true intention to Shaul when he tells the king, Let no man lose heart because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And so David's intention in inquiring about the situation was to spare the Jewish people from a spirit of defeat. And yet this seems astonishing. Why does the young, inexperienced David think that he is the person to take on the greatest Philistine warrior? And here David relates to Shaul the king in riveting words why he believes that he, in fact, is the person. Your servant was a shepherd for his father among the flocks, David says. The lion and bear would come and carry off a sheep from the flock, and I would go after it and strike it down and rescue the sheep from its mouth. If it, would, if it would attack me, I would grab onto its beard and strike it and kill it. Your servant has slain even lion, even bear. David believes that he will take down Goliath as he has taken down the bear and the lion. And he concludes by saying, Hashem asher hitzilani miyad ha'ari umiyad ha'dov, hu yatzilani miyad ha'plishti hazeh. Hashem who has rescued me from the hand of the lion, in the hand of the bear, he will rescue me from this Philistine. King Shaul, inspired by these words, tells David to go and fight Goliath. The king even tries dressing David in his own battle garments, but David is not accustomed to such formal military attire. And so he goes, naked as it were, with nothing but five smooth stones from a brook and a slingshot. The rest, as they say, is history. What is the meaning of David's speech to Shaul? How did he know that he could stand against a mighty warrior? There's two fundamental things that we can discern from his words. For David's older brother, Eliav, the fact that David was a shepherd detracted from the idea that David could or should be a warrior. David belonged with a sheep. And yet, in this very experience of shepherding, David read into the history of his own life, and he saw his ability to overcome forces greater than himself. There were incidents that he experienced in his own path as a shepherd that suggested to him that he had the ability to overcome a force mightier than himself. So the first thing David inferred from his personal history was that he had inner strengths and abilities that had only begun to be tapped. But secondly, it was also clear to David that Hashem was the ultimate force giving him these abilities and helping him. And with that background, we understand how David goes after Goliath with five stones and a slingshot. David had a self-awareness that arose from his personal experience. He was able to read something about himself into his own personal history, a history that other people mocked. And he also knew that while he had these abilities, it was ultimately God's hand that enabled him to triumph. According to Rashi, Sadiqim tend to read into the events of their life. They can see how Hashem has helped them and even infer how they can use God's help in the future to save the Jewish people. Quoting a Midrash, Rashi puts the following words into David's mouth. I know that this matter of being saved from the lion and bear did not come about for no reason, but rather that in the future, 
I will come to such another incident for the saving of Israel. In other words, David understood that if he was saved from lion and bear, God was hinting to him. Hashem would save him from a lion or bear that is pursuing the Jewish people. If God showed this capacity to David while he was still a young shepherd, there must be a deeper reason. When David beheld Goliath, he now saw the reason. As Rashi writes, it is characteristic of tzaddikim to look at the events of their lives and to realize that they're not for nothing. Rashi says that David was one of two tzaddikim that paid heed to the hints that God sent him. The other such tzaddik that Rashi mentions was Mordechai. The verse in Megillus Esther states that once Esther was chosen as the queen, Mordecai paced back and forth in the courtyard of the king. He reasoned that it couldn't be for nothing that Esther was taken by Ahasuerus. He paced the yard, anticipating that some sort of redemption would come from it. In fact, one of the messages that emerges from the story of Yosef and the brothers that we're now reading in the Chumash is that the very idea that that God's hand is, in fact, guiding our history. In the last verses of Bereshi's Genesis, Yosef tells the brothers that it is nothing but the hand of God that has brought them to Mitzrayim and brought Yosef first to bring sustenance to the Jewish people. So we can and we should look for Hashem in our lives. I once had an incident where I clearly felt God's hand hinting in my life Many years ago, I had this feeling that I needed to leave Houston, Texas, and find my next step in life. As it so happened, my wife and I took a road trip from our home in Houston to visit my in-laws in Atlanta, Georgia. We drove along, and soon after reaching Lake Charles, Louisiana, our minivan engine stopped working just as we were ascending a hill on the interstate highway. I suddenly felt that pushing the gas did nothing. And my wife was astounded that I was slowing down the van with a fast-moving truck behind us. There was not even a shoulder to pull into, and we barely made it to the top of the hill, just in time to pull over and avoid the truck. There was a state trooper parked there who told us that he was reading Psalms as he saw us trying to get up the hill and avoid the truck. Not only did we avoid a wreck, but fortunately, we broke down only two miles from the Toyota dealership. We spent seven hours at the dealership, and with great fortune, we were able to prove that we had taken care of the car with regular oil changes, and we were thus eligible for a recall that was actually available on our Sienna, and we didn't know about it. We were given a new minivan for our two-week vacation, while the old one had its engine replaced. What could have been a disaster turned out to be a huge boost for us, and we made it out of Lake Charles. As I reflected on this incident, I felt God's hand pulling me out of something that could have been a minor or even a major disaster. And as I thought about that, I realized that if I needed to get to a new place in life, Hashem's hand would surely get me there. And sure enough, later that fall, I was fortunate to begin the process of moving my family to our current locale, where we have the great fortune of serving the Jewish community for many years. We tend to think about Hashem in the national life of the Jewish people. The Hanukkah story is a national story, but there's individuals in that story as well. And so too today, our individual lives are part of the national story of the Jewish people. The Hashemunayim looked back in Jewish history to people like David for guidance and inspiration. There's nothing more moving and epic than the young David taking on Goliath with a mere slingshot and five smooth stones. And yet, as the verses suggest, and Rashi emphasizes, there's a critical idea here. David paid heed to the issues happening in his life. 
If he was saved from lion and bear, it was not a random experience. It was, in fact, God hinting to him about his potential to experience and bring about redemption, to use his experiences to help the Jewish people. And so, too, in our lives, there's multiple dimensions. On one level, we're part of the Jewish nation, but we're also individuals that are part of a Jewish story. Just like God is the force behind the history of our eternal Jewish people, so too Hashem is the force behind the history of our personal lives. With that in mind, read into your life and look for Hashem's hand. What message can you extract from your story? And in your life, remember to listen for God's hints of redemption. Thank you for joining me today. We'll be back next week. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.